Welcome to Mysteries from Owl Creek Press. I'm your host, Kit Crum. Today, the audiobook giveaway is Project Deepwater, an M suspense novel. Go to owlcreekpress.com, check it out, read about it if you're interested. Drop me a line at owlcreekpress at gmail.com. I'll send you a code with instructions how to use it to get your free audio version of Project Deepwater, an M suspense novel. Great book. Now, the question is, are flying saucers from deep space? Why do they disappear sometimes when they're very visible, both on radar or from the ground? Do they go to another dimension, as Albert Einstein said? Or are they man-made? In the years after the war, that would be World War I, when aviation was all the rage in Europe and North America, but the Treaty of Versailles banned the production of military aircraft in Germany, Glider clubs sprang up across the country. The brothers Walter and Reamer Horton, just 13 and 10 years old respectively, joined the Bong Glider Club in 1925 and soon turned from flying kites to far more ambitious activity, experimenting on futuristic tailless aircraft known as a flying wing. Well, the idea was not unprecedented. The German aerospace engineer Hugo Junkers had patented a flying wing design in 1910. The concept is that an airplane's fuselage and tail, while they provide lateral control, add great deal of weight and drag and do not contribute to lift. A flying wing without those appendages would be vastly more efficient and thus travel farther, if it could be controlled, though. The Horton boys kept tinkering, and by 1932 had developed an all-wing glider made largely of wood and linen that actually got off the ground, though it had some stability problems. Now flash forward to 1943 when the Nazi Field Marshal Hermann Goering demanded that the Luftwaffe next bomber aircraft be able to carry a 1,000-kilogram bomb load 1,000 kilometers into enemy territory at a speed of 1,000 kilometers per second. The Horton brothers presented him with a plan for a jet-powered single-pilot flying wing. Its steel framework was covered in a plywood skin, and the wings were finished in a green protective coating. Goring awarded the brothers half a million Richmachs, to develop a long-range bomber called the HO-229. Their first prototype, an unpowered glider, had a successful test flight in 1944, and a second jet engine-powered prototype took to the air the following year, establishing that a powered flying wing could be controlled in flight. In light of that feat, it's possible the third prototype of the HO-229 V3 would have flown further than any aircraft of its day. Instead, by April 1945, General George Patton's Third Army had recovered the V3 during Operation Paperclip, an effort to capture German intelligence and keep it from the Soviets. The Allies brought the Horton brothers to London for questioning. Following the war, Raymer failed to find consistent work at aerospace companies in Britain before returning to Germany, where he obtained a doctorate in mathematics. He spent the rest of his life working on aircraft in Argentina. Walter, back in Germany, joined the new post-war 
Luftwaffe. In 1957, the U.S. Air Force created a flying disc but found it unstable and discontinued it in 1961. Wait a minute, you said. Didn't the U.S. Air Force reverse engineer in 1947 a flying saucer that crashed near Roswell, New Mexico? Good question. And this is where the division of power over Area 51 began, and this could be a podcast that would last for hours. Suffice it to say that the federal government has no control over what goes on at Area 51. When John Kennedy found out that he, the federal government, had no knowledge of the goings-on at Area 51, he demanded a tour. Nothing, as far as the public was informed, came from this tour. But there was pillow talk between John Kennedy and Marilyn Monroe, where he told her that he had seen part of a flying saucer. This information ended up in Marilyn Monroe's Red Book, which she was going to expose on August 15, 1962. Hmm, so, uh, that's interesting. She was found dead August 5th, and her Red Book was never seen again. Further evidence of U.S. government and the president being out of the Area 51 loop surfaced with Bill Clinton. When he was first elected, he asked the head of the Justice Department to investigate Area 51 and find out once and for all if they were creating flying saucers. The investigation went nowhere. President Clinton was like three presidents before him left in the dark. Finally, there is a question surrounding Air Force jets photographing UFOs. Remember that the Air Force, like the rest of the government, has no idea what is going on in Area 51. Let me say that again. The federal government, the president, has no idea what's going on in Area 51. If indeed scientists had recovered a crashed flying saucer and reverse-engineered the technology, what better way to test their end of the project than to fly out U.S. Air Force jets to photograph them? So, were flying saucers man-made? Perhaps the real question is, did the research and development at Area 51 develop the incredible tech knowledge necessary to power a flying saucer, or indeed, did they recover a crashed UFO and reverse engineer alien technology? Now, if you're wondering why I keep saying the government has no idea what's going on in Area 51, listen to this podcast tomorrow, and I'll explain why. Area 51 and the government are two separate entities. This is Kit Crumb. Be sure to listen tomorrow, and thanks for listening today.